Good deal. If you're ready for some word, let's do it. If you have a Bible or a Bible on your phone, uh, I want you to find with me a couple places. Matthew chapter 6 will be our starting point, and then we'll get to Psalm 19 in a minute. All right? Matthew chapter 6. Now, I've been teaching last few weeks a, a series called Kingdom Rules. Interesting how much emphasis Jesus put on the kingdom of God when he ministered, and how that was the, the subject of his preaching. Sometimes we forget about it today because we don't automatically know even what a kingdom is. We just kind of know our earthly government systems or a democracy and so forth. Matthew 6, Jesus said here, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So he tells us we have to seek this kingdom in order to get all the other stuff added. The other stuff is natural things that we need. The, the Passion Translation reads, So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So God's perspective then is food and clothing and housing and those type of things are less important than our real need of his kingdom. Okay? One of the reasons we know it's less important is because if you could get the food, the clothing, the housing, the cars, the stuff and not get the kingdom. But if you get the kingdom, you get all the other stuff too. It's included. It's a part of his kingdom. And so that's why we got to keep our eye on the ball and keep our focus where it ought to be. Um, you know, just like we're constantly making decisions about how we spend our time and how we spend our money. And, and most of us would probably realize that if I have a limited amount of money, which most people do, well, everyone does on some level, uh, then I should, you know, make decisions on how I spend it based upon the value that what I'm putting into it and how much I need that. For example, most of us recognize we should probably spend more money on housing than on cars, right? You know, if you, if you live in a, uh, you know, a one-room apartment and drive a Maserati, <laughs> your priorities are out. Out of <laughs> You know, why? Well, one's going to decrease, you know, vehicles are going to decrease in value quickly and homes of, of often in, increase, right, in, in, in value. And so we're making judgments as to what is important, what lasts longer, what we're going to need more. Uh, if anything, when we think about the kingdom of God, we ought to have that perspective. Because he's telling us, listen, you guys, put your energies into this because it's forever, it, everything we do down here, everything we acquire, everything we obtain or achieve is all temp temporary. It's all, you know, what do you get, 100 years? And, uh, and then it's done. But he said the kingdom of God is eternal. So it makes sense. Just the rational mind would say, yeah, why am I putting all my money into my car? That's just going to be here, you know, for a minute. When I should be putting my time, not just talking about money here, but I'm talking about my, my life, my energies, my prayers. There should be directed towards eternal matters first. And the good news, if the Lord says if we do that, he's going to take care of everything else. Now, we've discussed the fact that uh, in the kingdom of God, the king is also Lord. And Lord means he owns things. 
All right, he owns everything in his kingdom. We are managers of his possessions. And the good news about that is he can move, as the owner, anything into our control at any time. This is one of those issues that produces faith and confidence in us. If I need something, well, my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as the psalmist said. Or the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so he owns it, he can get it to me. Well, someone else owns it. No, they don't. Someone else is controlling it, maybe. But if you have need of it, I mean, and you're serving God and your interests are in his eternal kingdom, it makes most sense for it to be moved into your, you know, your control. Just like he's doing for us at this church. He's moving lands and properties into our control. Why is he doing that? Because our only interest is his eternal kingdom. We're not building something up for ourselves. It's just him. So he's going to give us more control of more lands and properties so we can do more for him. Hallelujah. And so, and, and so this is the way the kingdom of God works. I like uh, this same teaching that the Lord gave that we read here in Matthew 6. When Luke recorded it, he, he, he included some other things that Jesus said in the conversation. It's Luke 12, 31 and 32. where It reads here, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Then verse 32 do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, put all of your time and energy and effort, put it all into the kingdom of God. Seek that first. And here's why. The father takes delight. It gives him pleasure to give you everything. To give you the whole kingdom. So why should we fear? We shouldn't fear. If I do that, I'm going to lose. I'm going to go under. I'm going to be without. No, no. When you're seeking him, when you put the kingdom of God first, know this. The king of the kingdom wants to give you everything. He doesn't want to withhold who he is and what he does. Uh, one way we say that is because everything's in the kingdom. Healing is there and provision is there and peace is there and Joy and victory, they're all contained in this domain that he, the king, has rulership over. It's kind of like how many people in the world today want to live in the United States. There are many countries. People would give their left arm if they could live in the United States of America. Why, why do they want to do that? Well, it's because in our kingdom, which is not a kingdom, but in our country, there's prosperity. There is opportunity more than a lot of places on the planet. And so they seek to be here because what their life potentially could be while they are here. Yeah, it's because of what is in this country. We seek the kingdom of God in part because of what's in it. In that kingdom, there's enough for everybody. Everybody can thrive. There's an abundance of peace and victory and joy and provision, everything we could ever want. And the good news is our king is not some self-serving king who wants to live in luxury while his citizens suffer lack. That's not the way our king is. Our God wants to, he is who he is, and he wants all to enjoy the fruit, the benefits of being in his kingdom. And so we talked to you about that, the fact that he's Lord. And then also, you, you recall last week we were talking about how, how the king in his kingdom, in, the king, in, the, in a kingdom, the king's word is final. It is final authority in all matters. It never changes. It doesn't fluctuate with the culture. And we honor him by believing what he says, by adhering to what he says. And, and, then, and then our experience 
in the kingdom is contingent upon cooperating with the rules that he has set out. Are there rules that govern? Are there laws that govern his kingdom? Certainly there are because, you know, God is a, an order type of person. He's not chaotic. There are rules that govern the system. That's, some see that as negative. Oh, here we go. Here come the rules. That's Old Testament. No, slow, slow down a minute. There, there, there's rules for our benefit. And they're not burdensome, but they're advantageous to us. I remember reading years ago about a, a study that some people did with children on the playground. And the study went like this. They had a, the playground meaning like at recess during school. And they had one playground, which was, you know, the little bit of concrete and then the grass area. And, and after the grass, there was just nothing. No fence just off to where whatever was beyond, beyond that. And they said in that experiment, they just put the kids out there, go ahead, go, go play, have fun. They said all the kids stayed next to the building. There was tons of land, lots of space, but they didn't utilize it. And so then they redid this and they put a fence up. Gave them ample space, but they put a fence, a boundary, a barrier, uh, a certain distance out there. And they said, okay, kids, go out and play. You know what they did? They spread out. They used the whole playground, the whole field, and they had a great time and didn't crowd the building. That's interesting. Sometimes people see any kind of rule, any kind of barrier, any kind of restriction. Oh, that, uh, that's bondage. It actually gives us freedom. When we see the rules, when we see the guidelines, we see the instructions, and, and it says, don't do this, do this, you know, eat this, not that, <laughs> you know, that tree, that fruit, uh, it, it, we, we see anything that he says to do and not to do, that allows us to thrive. We should never push back on it, but we should say, cool, this is how things work here. Now I know how to navigate. Now I know how to conduct myself. I know how to thrive in this kingdom. So that's why we're talking about the rules. Let's look over here at Psalm 19. If you have the ability to look at that with your own eyes, that would be the best. Psalm 19, I want to read a few verses here that are just really powerful. Beginning in verse 7. Notice the language used here. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired. Are they than gold? Yeah, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. I love this. It states again and again, basically using different terms to say, this is what God thinks, this is what he says, this is what he tells you to do. And they produce these results in your life. Even the word warning. How many know that's a positive word? I don't want to be warned. Yes, you do. If you're, if you're about to go over the cliff, you would prefer someone waving you down. 
you know, road out, bridge out. I want to be warned from impending danger. That's a blessing from God. If I'll heed his word, I'll avoid all kinds of trouble in my life. I remember in the early years of my ministry when I was working with youth, I would somewhat regularly teach the subject really annually. I would take a few weeks and teach the subjects of of relationships and dating and sex and, and, you know, future marriage, that kind of stuff, and, and, and help people to think right about it and avoid pitfalls and, and do the right thing. And, uh, and so I do that regularly. And, and I remember one uh, Sunday, uh, normally I wasn't speak the one speaking on Sunday, but the, the pastor there asked me if I would speak that Sunday. And what I did is I said, what I want to speak about is what I talk to the youth about. I want to I teach dating and relationships and that kind of stuff. All, all those things. I want to do that just for one message with the adults. And one of the reasons I wanted to do that was uh, I had the parents. A lot of the teenagers had parents. And I realized not everyone had teenagers, but they could deal with it. Uh, and so I taught the parents. I said, this is what I've been telling your kids. And this is, I want you to understand. I really wanted them on my side, or I wanted to be on their side, you know. I wanted to work together. And, uh, and so I taught these things. And, and the response to me was, it was overwhelming in this regard. So many parents came to me, and they were not only happy that their kids were hearing this, but they were also telling me, I wish I would have known that. Person after person came to me, if I would have known that. If I could have heard that when I was a teenager, if I could have been warned, (laughs) because they're living on the other side of so many mistakes that they made in that relational realm, and they're reaping the repercussions of wrong choices, right? How how many know warnings sometimes are of great benefit? Yeah. And this is what the Word of God will, will do for us. But think about this now, again. He used the word law, testimony, statutes, commandments, judgments. All these things, the end result is they bring great reward to us. Now, that interests me. I like rewards. I want to follow this and, and, and get the reward. But is this true in the New Covenant as well? Would this be true in New Testament? Or, or, or would you say, ah, oh, that's Old Testament, and we're not under the law, and so all the blessings in the New Testament are automatic, well, here's the trouble I have with that, is, is I, I talk to too many people. Here's what I mean by that. People who technically and biblically and accurately are blessed, healed, prospered, full of peace, they have joy, they have victory. They're in, all this thing, these things are true about them in Christ. Yet, if I look at the picture of God's desire, His design, His will, His plan, and I took a picture of their life as is, and I put them up together, they don't match. I think this person's genuinely saved. They love the Lord. I mean, I have to take their word for it. They're a believer. They're saved. They're they're, they're walking with God the best they know how. But the promises don't match their experience. So what's the disconnect here? And one thing I can tell you is just because we are... Um, inherently blessed in Christ, and I believe that 100%, 
that the outworking or application or manifestation of the blessed life is contingent upon what we do with what he said. Okay, even in the new covenant. I don't mean that God is withholding blessings from people. I mean they are not entering into them. They, they, maybe I could say they're not, you know, activating them. Something, something like that. Uh, but what we experience is tied to what we do with what he said. Okay, now we talk about the will of God. That's a popular subject. I, that's a good, good subject. What is the will of God? Think about his will in, this, in the way that we use the, the language of, of someone's will getting, in, getting prepared, you know, in preparation for their death, right? They, someone will write down what's in their mind at a certain time. This is what I want to happen with my assets, with my, you know, with my estate. This is what I want to be done with my stuff when I'm done. They write it down. The, 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 the written language is a testament. It's the legal document of what they want, Okay. Now, testament, that's, that's a language we're kind of familiar with. Right? we got Old Testament, New Testament is what our, uh, our, our books are described as in those two components. Uh, in, in the Bible, what is, what is this? This is the written desires of God. His, what's in his mind, what he wants for the citizens of his kingdom, he lays these things out. So we can be certain and be clear about this. He used many people, many prophets of old and individuals to write out for the record in a legal document what he wants for his people. See, one of the problems is people think this is a religious book. No, this is a legal book. This is a written account, a hard copy of what God desires people to experience. All right. You see the language all over about God being the righteous judge, uh, about, you know, justification and so forth. Jesus is even a lawyer. Yes, that's right. <laughs> For those lawyers out there, you're tired of the jokes. <laughs> Jesus is a lawyer. <laughs> right. He, he's, he, the scripture says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So uh, there's, a, there's so much le- legal language in here. And if we'll read it as such then we'll start to see, okay, he's laying out the boundaries, the systems, the structure, giving me the, the divine order so I can know how to navigate my life in the kingdom of God. Because it is a new way of thinking from the time before we're saved. Okay. Now, let me, use, let me give an example using Abram, Abraham or Abram when God spoke to him. Okay. It's, uh, it's Genesis chapter 12, and, and here's what happened. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house and to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that's quite a statement. That's quite a promise. This is what God wanted to do with Abraham. All right? Was that contingent upon anything? I mean, it's the word of God. It's God's promise. Would it be automatic that that would happen? Or could Abraham have disqualified, disrupted, hindered what God wanted to do? 
The latter is true because of the very first statement. The first thing God told him was get out of town. Leave your country and go to where I want you to be. What if he would have said, ah, just bless me here. I'll take everything you said except that first part. Well, I think the rest of it was hinging on the first part. God wanted him to go, and he, this was his plan to bless him and the people of the earth through him, but it was hinging on him getting out of the country. Praise God. That principle, by the way, this is before the law of Moses and everything, that principle continues to this day that in the kingdom of God, he presents what he wants, what he desires for all of our lives, and it's utterly desirable and something we all want, but there are often conditions, meaning, meaning the condition is it'll happen when I act on it. It'll happen when I heed his voice and do what he said. Uh, this would be, uh, we could, we've used this language in the past couple of weeks, this would be God's constitution. The kingdom of God has a constitution and that's the word that we have. Any conditions that follow his, him setting forth his ideal would be for the purpose of setting boundaries and practical application so we can enjoy and experience all the good things that he promises us. All right? Uh, keeping his word, walking by faith, walking in love, all these things. If I avoid that, I don't get everything he wants me to have. Everybody okay? All right. And so enjoying God's ideal in our lives is not automatic. We must give attention to his words. The blessings then are contingent upon it. Uh, think about it like even like our country. We have been given certain rights and we have our constitution. We have the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments. We, we have all these guarantees of certain things. Is it possible for anyone living in our country to be, uh, to disqualify themselves from some of the guarantees of our citizenship? Could someone conduct themselves in a way where they no longer have the freedoms afforded to them in our documents? They certainly can. I mean, a good example is when you break the law, and the, depending on the severity of that law, you could lose the right to vote. You could lose basically all freedoms. You could be imprisoned, right? The Constitution hasn't changed the will of the, the founders hasn't changed in regards to wanting to provide, uh, you know, everyone life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, and so forth. It, it wasn't that that has changed. It's just a person didn't cooperate with the rules that govern it. And this is sometimes why people in the kingdom of God, they have the most amazing promises beyond our comprehension. I mean, he, he wants to do exceeding abundantly above all we could even ask or think. He wants to go beyond your wildest imagination and his privileges and blessing and help and victory in your life. But sometimes we just qualify ourselves. I don't think it's permanent. I'm not talking heaven or hell here either. I'm talking about citizens of his kingdom saying, what did you say? What are your testimonies? What are your statutes? What, 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 are, the, the, what are your judgments? Because I need to hold those in such high esteem that they govern my life more than anything else of this world. And when I do that, he's steering me. I'm being warned. Look out. 
I'm being directed in my life. Go here. That's where my blessing is. Walk here. Walk this way. You're, you're thinking wrong about that. Change that. Remember, it converts the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. Oh, I need to think different. Oh, I need to approach that different. Oh, I need to treat my wife different. Oh, I need to do my finances different. And we, we meditate on the word, your words, your judgments, your statutes, your commandments, everything you say. There is of such great value that I'm going to adjust my life to steer around. And in the process of that, I get to enjoy freedom. I get to enjoy his blessing. I get to enjoy all that Jesus came to give us. Praise God. Another example would be, let's just talk about peace. I mean, if, you're, if you know the word at all, is there a promise of peace for us? I'm talking about peace in our mind. Peace with God, of course, but peace in our own soul. Instead of turmoil, chaos, fear, anxiety, pulling our hair out, worries. Is there a promise of peace? Yeah. Have you ever met a Christian who didn't enjoy that? You ever met a true, genuine? I mean, they, they really did accept the Lord and they're saved or going to heaven, but they want their life is, ugh. there's no peace. Well, say, why is the Lord doing that to them? Why is God blessing one person with peace and the next person he's not? That's not the case. I think of Philippians chapter 4 that says, if you'll think on these things. Remember that? True just, good report, honor. If you think this way, the God of peace will be with you. Well, what if I ignore that rule in his kingdom? Well, he doesn't really change, but I'm cutting off his supply of peace from being active in my life. Everybody with me? It's not God punishing the person who doesn't have peace. Oh, you rascal, let me give you some lousy dreams. Let me give you a couple nightmares just to show you who's, who's the boss here. <laughs> he is a loving, generous king who only wants good things for us. That's why he gives us the rules. And if we don't control our thinking, if we don't walk in love, it, all these things are going to cost us the blessing of God in life. Everybody okay? Now, let me finish with a couple things. I, need to, I want to address the word law again, the laws. Sometimes we have, a, we have a little hiccup with the word law because we're in the new covenant, right? We're under grace, not law. And I'm a firm believer. You'll, you've heard me teach on it. We don't want to mix Old Testament, New Testament. We don't want to approach God from an Old Testament law mentality. We're free. All that 100%, not backing down from any, any of that. We should just be aware of this, okay? Not all, first of all, not all laws refer to the law of Moses. Secondly, even if you are referring to the Ten Commandments and other commandments, you'll find that Mr. Grace himself, Paul, quoted the Ten Commandments in the New Covenant. He told people, stop stealing, don't lie, honor your father and mother. Remember? And he would say, and that's one of the commandments. So he by no means taught Obey the commandments as a means to justification or salvation, earning your right to be blessed before God. He taught the opposite of that. But at the same time, he also reiterated some of the standards of heaven, some of the judgments of God. So it's not I'm doing these things in order to get salvation. You know this. But I am doing these things because I'm saved. 
It, it comes as a manifestation of my new life in Christ. Nevertheless, they are still there. They are repeated. Jesus summed it all up when he said, You'll, you, you, should, uh, you should love as I have loved. Right? All the commandments are, are fulfilled in that, in, in that one commandment. But there are other types of laws. You see, there are physical laws, uh, you know, thermodynamics, and, you know, there's laws of nature and uh, uh, that type of stuff, you know, uh, physics, so forth. We know that some things God put in motion, he put into his creation, and they just work kind of without effort. In the animal kingdom, birds don't have to be taught to fly. They don't have to go to class, <laughs> learn, study, have a co-pilot, you know. Fish don't have to be taught to swim. They just swim. Plants, you put the seed in, in some good soil, they just do their thing, right? They're not struggling, striving. There's a lot of things that God built in that we call laws or physical laws, natural laws, and these things just work, all right? Fish malfunction when they get out of the water, right? There are, you know, you take the seed out of the soil, the bird out of the air, now there's something off now their purpose for being is interrupted. The laws that God put in motion, they, they guarantee, they protect the purpose for which something was created. When it comes to our lives, we were designed to thrive in God's kingdom, under his rule, but in his domain. When we hear what he says and adhere to his voice, his judgments, then we function naturally, normally, perfectly. We, we, we thrive. You take us out of there, then we're fish out of water. And that's, that's kind of the picture of some believers. They accept Jesus, but then they don't live by the laws of the kingdom, and so they're flopping around on the sand. Right? God, why isn't my life not working? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my money's a mess, my family's a mess, my job's a mess, I don't have any peace, and we're flopping around there on the... <laughs> What's wrong? Get in the water. Come on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean for the believer? Get in the, the kingdom. In other words, find the rules that govern it. The boundaries that God set up for our benefit. The system, the structure in which he created us to be in. And again, some of that walk by faith, walk in love. In fact, listen to this. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter, chapter 3 and verse 22 reads, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. There's that dumb word commandment there in the New Testament. <laughs> we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Then he gets specific. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. So the rules that govern the new covenant are not, I don't think, near as exhaustive as the old covenant when it was designed to show them what a failure they were, to show them their need for a savior, now that we're saved, there are still some, some guardrails, if you will, 
But he tells us in the kingdom, faith works. Faith and love, that would be the simplest way to define everything. If you're walking in love, you're still not going to kill anyone. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to commit adultery. Love is that. And faith is what pleases God. These are some of the things that we should be aware of. In the, in the king, the king's word is law. Okay? Whatever he says. So you say, well, what law do we obey? Okay, don't just think law of Moses, earning my way to righteousness. Nothing. What laws do we obey? The short answer is this, everything God says. Anything he says to do, he says because he's right, his judgments are accurate, they're beneficial for us. Anything he says, we should say, oh, thank you, Lord, for more direction, more understanding, more clarity about life. Okay, when it comes to faith, like I said, faith and love, but even when it comes to prayer, this is how you pray. Is that a rule? Well, yeah, it's, it's how prayer works. If you study prayer at all, you know not everybody who's doing what is called what they call prayer makes any difference. That's why people think, yeah, prayer is when you throw something up and nothing happens. That's because you don't understand the rules of prayer. It's not simple. <laughs> there are rules that govern it. What should I do? You should learn how to make your prayers work. That's why Jesus taught. You say, well, I don't. I just think as long as you're praying, that's all that matters. That's, can I be nice about that? That's ignorance. It really is. Well, as long as I'm sincere. Where did you read that? If that were true, there would be one verse on prayer. And it would say, just be sincere. Instead, we have volumes. Jesus teaching, when you pray, do this. When you pray, do this. Don't be like this, but be like this. You have others teaching all... Why? There are rules that govern the laws of the kingdom. That's why we study. That's why we teach. That's why we go into this. Uh, What about sowing and reaping? Sometimes people want to reap, but they don't want to sow. I just don't understand why God's not blessing me. He told you how things work in the kingdom so that you could enjoy the promises, the benefits, the privileges of being a citizen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is why we continually go back to the Word. We study again and again. We realize, you know, the language of this book is really not of religion. It's of legalities. It's of understanding systems and and a personal relationship with God. The more we know, the more we can flow. It's one of the reasons we, you know, we every year we put out a, a Bible reading plan. Say, everybody, let's read this together. One chapter, you know, a, a day. Five days a week, and then that way, if, any, if you'll just do that, at minimum, you won't starve. <laughs> but the thing, the problem is, is we consume information, we consume media, we consume thoughts from the kingdoms of this world all week long. And then we come to church and get a little jolt of heavenly thinking, give a little injection of, of kingdom mentality. The problem is it gets overridden then. Because then we go and start listening to everything else again. And, and it's hard to really function in the kingdom of God when his thoughts are so distant from the way that we live. Hallelujah. Is this helping anybody today? Yes. Praise God. We're, amen. There's much more to say. Next week I'm going to say something really good, I think. <laughs> With the Lord's help. He's helping us to see things. So we can... Uh, Thrive in his kingdom.
Amen? Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for working in us, working through us, working among us, helping us to think like you. Lord, we treasure and value everything you say.